Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Amen. John chapter number 8 then, the last verse of that chapter the Bible reads as such, starting with verse 59, and I'll just continue. Then took they up stones to cast at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them and so passed by. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin? this man or his parents that he was born blind Jesus answered neither hath this man sinned nor his parents but that the works of God should be made manifest in him I must work the works of him that sent me while this day the night cometh when no man can work as long as I am in the world I am the light of the world when he had thus spoken he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay and said unto him go wash in the pool of Siloam which is is by interpretation sent he went his way therefore and washed and came seen the neighbors therefore and they which before had seen him that he was blind said is not this he that sat and begged Amen. I want to base my, my title tonight off of verse number 1 of chapter 9 where the Bible says that he saw a man. And I'd like tonight to personalize that uh, for you and I and preach along this subject. Jesus saw me. Jesus saw me. Can we go to the Lord in prayer right now? Jesus, we need you. God, I need you, Lord, God, in this place. Lord, my mind, God, and my thoughts, Lord. Mark any air, Lord, God, from my mouth. God, I pray, Lord, for acceptable words here this evening. God, touch your people, Lord, who may already be tired, God, from going halfway through their work week. I pray, Lord, you would, God, energize them for the next few moments, God, to be attentive to the word of the Lord and hear, Jesus, what the scriptures say, God, to each and every one of us. I know, God, that you are here. God, I know, Lord Jesus, that you are with us, God. And I'm just going to depend upon you, trust upon you, Lord Jesus, with this word. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen. The church say amen. Amen. Shake someone's hand before you're seated tonight, please. Someone say, Jesus saw me. The story here this evening of sight restored to a man blind, in particular, the Bible says, from his birth, is only related by the Apostle John. It's not found in any of the other harmony of the Gospels. John is the only one to relate this particular story and in great detail 
John relates this particular story, expending 41 verses as we have it in our body, our Bibles, to tell the story. And as John would later confirm in the story, the story is very rare. It is peculiar in the fact that the Bible tells us not since the beginning of the world, not since the beginning of time, had it ever been heard that someone opened the eyes of one that had been born blind. There have been other healings throughout the scriptures that we have read of time and time again. But of the blind, evidently there had not been one individual that's been healed of blindness from the time that they had been born blind. In other words, there have been other blind people healed, but there hadn't been anyone that was ever healed of blindness that had been blind all the way back from the moment of their birth. As a matter of fact, more than the healings of the lame that we read in Scripture and the deaf and the dumb and even the resurrecting of some who were dead, or for that matter, any other disease, that's mentioned in scripture. There are more recorded miracles of people who were blind than any other type of healing of disease in scripture. According to how you count, four to six people throughout the word of God had been uh, healed of their blindness, miraculously set apart to see again the having been blind, their sight restored. And although John 9 records this as a literal healing of the blind, in the closing verses of this same chapter, Jesus takes this scenario, this literal healing of the blind man and applies it to the spiritual blindness of people. Jesus takes this literal occasion of the blind man being able to be restored to sight, speaking about the spiritual blindness of people and how they're capable of being restored to sight. Paul, whenever addressing the Ephesian church, he urged the Ephesians to walk not as other Gentiles walked. And he said that their walk was characterized by having their understanding darkened, that they were being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them, and more particularly because of the blindness of their heart. Paul testified even to the Corinthian church that the God of this world hath blinded. Everybody say blinded. Blinded the people. In the previous chapter of John, chapter number 8, Jesus had quite a lengthy discourse on being the light of the world. He came and he proclaimed to the Jews, the scribes, and the Pharisees and told them that he was the light of the world. And that statement alone by the Jews, the Pharisees, and the scribes suffered great scrutiny. They denied it. They said the record that he spoke of himself was not true. And it's almost unbelievable then that in the very next chapter, after Christ had declared himself to be the light of the world, is found a man in utter darkness due to the condition of his blindness. The paradox, really, of these scriptures is that there were the Pharisees and the scribes, people who claimed to know the most about God, claimed to know the most about 
the Lord and his laws and his commandments claimed to know everything there was to know, if you will, about God. But in the close of chapter number 8, you see these people that supposedly know the most about God that are standing with stones clenched in their fists ready to throw them at the Lord Jesus Christ. But as the Lord passes by them and begins to pass by the blind man, the Bible denotes notes him notably as being a beggar. Could it be that while others that supposedly should have known him had their stones in their hands clenched, stretched out, ready to stone him, there's something that he took notice of, another man that had his hand outstretched but it was empty ready to receive something. Someone say amen. He passes by those that are eager to stone him but he takes note of the man that is in a posture to receive something from him. Amazingly tonight, both Jesus and the disciples saw the same blind man. And no doubt the disciples' attention was drawn to the blind man because the Lord's attention had already been drawn to the blind man first. And since the Lord recognized him, now the disciples jump on the bandwagon, so to speak, and they recognize him. But there's something I want you to underline, if you will, in your minds or even in your Bibles. The Bible says that Jesus saw a man which was blind from his birth. The blindness of the man is sort of a side note for Jesus. As John penned the words, he saw a man. In other words, that just happens to be blind. Jesus didn't see per se, Brother Mason, a blind man. He saw a man. He didn't just see the blindness of the man, but he saw a man. A man that, by the way, happened to be blind. And it's not that the blindness was not considered in the mind of God or in the mind of Christ. It just wasn't the main focus at that point in time. It just wasn't the center of his concentration at that point in time. What he's seen by and large, he saw a man. Can someone say amen? The disciples see the blindness. The disciples see the blindness. Someone hear me right now. The disciples see the blindness while Jesus sees a man that happens to be blind. Because the first thing that the disciples jump on is, Lord, who did sin, him or his parents? They're alluding to the man's blindness. They see the blindness of this man while Jesus sees the man of this blindness. The disciples see the condition of the man while Jesus sees the person. Jesus saw the man as a need and the disciples saw the man as a mistake. Someone say amen. But can I declare to you, I believe the outcome in our churches will be different whenever those that come in are blind and we see them as a need rather than as a mistake. Amen. Because there is a great, great tragedy in reversing those two things and getting them backwards. We must stop trying to figure out how it happened, how they became blind, how they got in the 
condition that they got in. The first thing that we need to do must take priority of, of not trying to figure out how they got there. How did they get in this situation? First priority should be this. And it was the same priority that Jesus had. There's a need that needs to be ministered to. There's a need that needs to be tended to. The disciples were trying to figure out how did he get in this situation? Jesus says, you're looking at it wrong. There's a man here that is in need. Someone say yes. The idea, whenever the apostle Paul was shipwrecked on the Isle of Melita, and he was bitten by the viper that came out of the fire. Those, those people that were natives of the island of Melita that was there, they said to themselves and among themselves, this man must be a murderer because a viper has come out of the fire and fastened onto his hand. He must be a murderer because surely he's done something wrong for something so tragic to happen to him. Amen. One man said it like this. He said, if there is suffering, then there must be sin. But who sin was it that was the idea of the disciples if this man is blind there must be sin in his life there must be sin in his parents life really it goes way back further than that there was sin in the first family and as a result of that we have sin in our lives and sins in our family amen and while we're trying to analyze how it happened or how it got to that point or how did it become so severe amen there's a desperate need that's left unmet A father, father said a boy. He said, the cows are in the corn. However, did they get in? And the boy said the father, never mind how they got in. Let's hurry to get them out. Him, boy, it doesn't really matter. The whole idea of how they got in there, what part of the fence they broke through, uh, what was it that somehow uh, provoked them to get into there is not the matter right now. They're in a place that they should not be in. They need not to be in. So let's get them out of there and then we'll survey how they got to where they are. Our approach to the blind that come in, in a world of darkness, in a world of darkness, of blindness, blinded by the God of this world to the things that are right and true. Let's stop scratching their heads and think I wonder how they ever got in that situation how did they ever become the alcoholic how did they ever follow a perverted lifestyle how did they ever get there that's not what the concentration needs to be right now we need to figure out how can we get them up out of that then we'll survey how they got there we need to somehow reach down into the pit reach down into the depths we need to somehow cure the issue and then survey the problem question that was posed to the blind man after he received his sight by the scribes and the Pharisees were how were your eyes opened? How were your eyes opened? Did it involve a touch? Yes. Did it involve a command? Yes. Did it involve a washing? Yes, but more importantly, I can hear the voice of the blind man. More importantly, when I could not see, when I lived in a world of darkness, when I was subjected to begging for anything that I got, when I could not see Jesus, Jesus saw me. Whenever I couldn't see Jesus, Jesus saw me. Ladies and gentlemen, the blind man, 
that lived in a world of darkness, Jesus saw a man that could not see him. In Mark 6, the disciples were in the midst of the sea and Jesus was alone on the land. He had sent the disciples over to the other side. He had sent them away. God, Christ, had went to the mountain to pray. And while they were toiling, the Bible says, in their rowing, and the wind was contrary to them, the Bible says, Jesus saw them. They didn't know he was looking. They probably didn't have no idea of him. But in their struggle of rolling, in their struggle of the wind contrary to him, Jesus saw them. He saw them before they ever seen him. In John 1, Nathaniel is approaching Jesus in order to validate some of the words of Philip. Philip says, Nathaniel, come and see the one. This is the one that Moses wrote of. This is the Messiah. This is he. This is the one that has come out of Nazareth. Come and see him. And as Nathaniel is approaching Jesus, he wants to validate the words of Philip, the testimony of Philip. And as he approaches, Jesus calls out to him as though he knew him. And this perplexes Nathaniel. And he wants to know, Jesus, how do you know me? And Jesus told him, he said, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Someone say amen. Jesus saw Nathaniel when he could not in turn see the Lord. It's awesome for me to realize that whenever we cannot see the Lord, he can always see us. That whenever we cannot see him through, whether it be the blindness that the world has induced upon us or the troubles or the traumatic things of life when we can't see the Lord, that the Lord sees us. The blind man's inability to see Jesus was due to a circumstance, was due to a condition that was beyond his control. You ever had anything cloud your vision of the Lord that was beyond your control? Some things enter your life that somehow eclipsed your vision, your view of God, hurt, impacted, and affected your ability to see the Lord. Just as the testimony of blind eyes being open would be non existent. If not one had been blind, so would salvation have been a fable had no one needed saved. The blindness is a good illustration for all of humanity because we've been born just as this man of John 8 was. He in the literal sense, us in the spiritual sense, we have been born blind. We don't have our ability to truly see. We live as we start in this life in a world of darkness that's due to our spiritual blindness. We can't comprehend a lot of things because of our blindness. The disciples wanted to attribute the blindness of this man to a negative aspect on the part of his own or the part of his parents. 
the universal period of that time and opinion of that time was that the Jews said any calamity in life was the effects of a personal sin or the sin of your family. But again, it goes all the way back really to the first family. Isaiah, whenever he was speaking concerning the nation of Israel, he spoke of them and said that Israel had been a transgressor from the womb. From the womb they were a transgressor. And so the man's blindness was, and could I say our blindness is in part, nothing more but an arena, as Christ said, to showcase the works of God. Someone say amen. Clap your hands to the Lord if you will. The blind man was reduced to having to, needing to guide himself through the lower sense of touch. The blind man had to feel his way through life. This man's life had been lived, if we could say it like that then, by what he could feel. He couldn't see Jesus. Whenever Jesus first approached him, Jesus didn't say anything to the blind man. He spoke to the disciples, yes, but he didn't say anything to the blind man. He did not address him. Whenever Jesus spoke to the blind man, it was after the spittle and the clay and everything had already been put on his eyes. Then he told him to go and wash. But he didn't say anything to the blind man to begin with. Instead, he spat on the ground and made spittle with the dirt and his spit and anointed the blind man's eyes with the clay. And there's been several people that's drawn conclusions about Jesus putting the clay on the man's eye. Because the Jews had this idea that spittle somehow had some medicinal purposes and it could somehow cure diseased eyes. But uh, there's nothing in history or proof that records that that was ever the case of spittle being able to heal any diseased eyes. What I submit to you tonight is this. Jesus understood he was, le- he was dealing with a blind man. A blind man that had daged and guided his life by what he could feel, his sense of touch. And so I submit this evening that Jesus touched a man that's guided his whole life from birth primarily on what he could feel because that man would be able to identify with a touch. Jesus touched the man. He who lived in darkness could feel and he couldn't see. So Jesus says, my first approach to this man is I'm going to touch him and let him feel something because that's the way he gauges and guides his life. Let me say it like this, those that come into the church house with spiritual blindness, amen, who spiritually live in a house, in a home, in a life of blindness, many times will not accept the truth upon hearing the truth. They'll not accept the truth upon seeing the truth. But I've known many times that the inroad into the life of the spiritually blind is that they can somehow relate with what they feel because that's the way they've gauged and guided their life. And they've been told if it feels good, 
then just go on and do it. That's the reason why a common exp- a common response of somebody that's never been exposed to this oft times say, I never felt anything like that. What is that? That's Christ coming down and dealing with somebody blind in the place of life that they guided their whole life by what they could feel. So Jesus says, before I say anything, before you can see me, I will allow you to feel me. I want something that you can identify because I know how you've guided your life up to this point of time. How I'm going to allow you to feel me first. Folks, it's no different. It's not a different approach than what he had with his own disciples after the resurrection of Luke 24 and verse 39. Brother Cruz The Bible says Jesus comes to them. They're thinking that perhaps this is a spirit after the resurrection, but he comes to them and he says, Behold my hands and my feet. That is, I myself handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones, as ye see me have. They thought they had seen a spirit. They thought maybe something unnatural was going on here. But the Lord wants to convince them that it is indeed him. And he says, Behold or look, or see my hands and my feet. But notice now, then he backs up and he says, handle me. Handle me, handle me. I got to deal with this generation where they're at. And they're a generation that's struck with blindness. So boys, handle me. And then he says, and see. Feel me and then see. He says you perceive life through the way that you can feel. So feel me and then you'll be able to see me. Some would say glory. God has a way. He has a way in church services. He has a way through preaching. He has a way through songs of coming down and he's among the people. What's he doing? He's touching them. He wants people to feel him. And if they can feel him, it's just the inroad that they might see him. He works in progressions because what the blind man was feeling right now, he would soon be seeing later. to stop this best stuff. There's not a zipper. We can just take it off. Jesus had already told them, listen to me. Jesus had already told them that gathered at the temple that he was the light of the world. In John 8, 12, he said, then spake Jesus again to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And now in verse 5 of John 9, he clarifies to them, already the people of the temple knowing that he's the light of the world. He clarifies to those that are round about him, as long as I am in the world, He says, I'm the light of the world. In other words, whatever world Jesus steps into or becomes a part of, he becomes the light of that world. Someone hear me right now. Oh, I'm excited about this, really. I'm really excited about what 
I'm talking to you about tonight. Here exists a blind man. His world since birth has been darkness. His world since birth has been filling his life through. His days of walking has been walking in darkness. Amen. But something is on the verge of happening. Jesus is going to enter this blind man's darkened world. And when that happens, when Jesus enters a world, he becomes the light of that world. What this blind man needed was a Christ, was the light of the world, to step inside his world, and he would become the light of that blind man's world. He says, she said, we got to do this. We got to work while it's day. That's going to come when no man will be able to work. We got to work the work. What took place here with the blind man, according to the timetable, approximately about or so six months, six months after this occurrence, Jesus is going to be crucified on a cross. Six months. His whatever, 33 some odd years upon the earth. He says, we got to do a work. He understood his time upon the earth was coming to a close. Six months prior to his crucifix. He says, I got to work right now. Let me tell this congregation tonight. We got to work. Brother McGee, I'm far from being Jesus. You got the spirit of Jesus in you. As a matter of fact, whenever before Christ left the earth, he told his disciples. He did not leave the world void of light. He told his disciples in Matthew 5. He said, ye are the light of the world. And based upon that premise, Brother Mason, I need to step into the darkened world of the present blind that's in my generation, the present blind that's in my city, the present blind that's in my community, the present blind that's in my family and in my church. As a church, we need to be stepping in there because we become the lights. What are you saying? Whoever's world you step into, there's gonna become enlightenment. Where there was darkness, there's gonna be a fresh beaming light. And they may not understand it to begin with, but we need to create an atmosphere for them to feel it before they ever see it. We need to create an atmosphere for them to feel it before they'll ever see it. read the account someone that was acquainted with Dr. Dufour was his name years and years ago this doctor had done one of the early successful operations on a patient that had been blind from birth And from my reading and understanding in several cases of those that are blind from birth, the results is after an operation for a restoration of blindness is a deficiency of the intellectual faculties, being able to recognize since they were in fact blind from birth. The only interaction they ever had 
was with darkness through touch and feeling. So even after sight given to them, a tree is unknown to them. They've never known the tree by sight. They've only known it by feeling. And in this particular case, Dr. Duford treated a man that was blind from birth. This man was 20 years old. Both of his eyes had been covered from birth by some type of opaque, chalky deposit substance, and he was blind. Never seen the form of anything in his lifetime. No surface, no outline. So after the operation, the man was taken into a dark room. He was put there for quite some time. His eyes were bandaged. He was going through a healing process that was quite extensive, especially years and years ago. And then finally, after a certain amount of time, they brought the man into the light. And and he groped and sought for for something to feel, even though that was taken off his eyes and he was still behaving like a blind man would behave. And they put that man into a seat with his back to the window and a doctor moved in front of him and had his hand in front of his head, his eyes, and moved it to and fro and back and forth. And he asked the man, do you see anything? And he said, yes. The patient said, yes. He said, I see something light. That even in the very infant stages after those things being taken from his eyes, the man could distinguish between light and darkness. And the doctor said, well, what is it? The once blind man was saying, it's, 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 and that's all he could get out of his mouth. The doctor tried once more. Amen. Put his hands in motion. Amen. Do you see anything move? Move! The blind, once blind man said, so the doctor kept trying some other things. He says, the, the, the man saying, all I can see is just, just something white. And so then the doctor got something that was round and something that was square and put it in front of the man and said, well, what, what, what do you know? Do you, do you know what, which one is the square? Do you know what a square means? And there was no answer. But then the man reached forth and touched the object. He felt those four corners and he says, that's a square. That doctor brought a watch and put it in front of him. The man says, I, I, I see some light there. I see something reflecting. He says, do you know what that is? He said, I don't know. He said, can I touch it? Yeah, I touch it. He touched it. He ran his hands around that. Felt the roundness of the face. Could feel different things. He said, that's a watch. The doctor said, yes, that is a watch. He got a few different strips of paper that were at different length. He said, can you tell me which one is longer? Again, there was no response, but the man, when he could put forth his hands and begin to touch them, he said, this one here is longer, and that one there is shorter. And again and again, these tests were done over and over again, and anything they brought before the man, he could not recognize until he would first feel them. And the conclusion of this long experiment that was done then and now many times since people have surgeries that caused them to be restored from being blind at birth, this is what they say, and I quote directly from them. His visual sensations were clear and definite enough, but he had no power of interpreting them. Each sensation required a special intellectual act of comparing the impression on the art, or in other words, what he was seeing with the impression of his touch with what he was feeling. 
It was only after that he seen the objects and touched them with his hands that they could bring the same objects in front of his face and say which one is a square or a circle. And without touching them, he would then say that's a square and that is a circle. Can I say it like this tonight? He began recognizing items with his eyes by correlating what those same items had felt with his hands. Jesus seen this man living in a world of darkness. And so before he did anything, he says, I'm going to touch the man. I'm going to allow him to feel me. I'm going to allow him to identify with what he can feel because that's the way life has been lived up to this point in time. And it was only later, after the man gained his sight, that he would see the man, Christ Jesus, for the first time. Amen. He had felt that Lord. He had felt that Christ before, but he had never seen him. Felt him before, but never seen him before. And the man, the Bible says, the man knew that Jesus was of God. He told that to the scribes and Pharisees. He said, this man must be of God because there no one could do what this man has done unless he be of God. The blind man knew that this Jesus had been of God. So whenever Jesus finally appears before this man that he had formerly touched. Jesus stands before him and shares the revelation how he was the son of God. And there was something that happened in that moment when Jesus told him he was that son of God that added everything up in that blind man's mind that this is the man that healed me. This is the man that I felt. This is the man that I touched. This is the man that told me to go wash in the pool of Siloam. And in that moment that man that had been blind could reconcile what he saw with what he had felt. You'll stand with me this evening. We entered the world blind. And amid our darkened world, God sees us. And it becomes enlightened when God steps into our world. God's patient. God's long-suffering. So patient and so long-suffering. As our eyes adjust. And as we begin to reconcile what we see with what we have felt initially from God. The secret then by and large though, the secret then by and large to our sight is by whom we were first seen by. And Jesus saw us. God saw us. He knew the right approach. I'll let them feel me. It was just totally contingent upon the disciples. Their attention was drawn to the man because the Lord's attention was drawn to the man. If it was just contingent upon the disciples, they would still be trying to figure out how he got there rather than trying to get him out of where he was. He may have still been blind, but they'd had a great committee figuring out how he got there. I'll close with these scriptures tonight, and I'll read them in succession, and then I'll close. Speaking of the light how we still are the light 
that light is going to be the finality of really all things. It's just going to be the permeation of the light. You don't have to put these on the screen, brother. Heads can be bowed as I read these scriptures as I come too close here tonight. In Isaiah 60 and verse 19, the Bible says, The sun shall be no more the light by day. Neither for brightness shall the moon give light unto thee, but the Lord shall be unto thee an everlasting light. And thy God, thy glory. Thy sun shall no more go down, neither shall the moon withdraw itself. For the Lord shall be thine everlasting light. The days of thy mourning shall be ended. Revelations 21, 23. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it. For the glory of God did lighten it. And the Lamb is the light thereof. Revelations 22, 5. And there shall be no night there. They need no candle, neither light of the sun. For the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Zechariah 14, 7, but it shall be one day, which shall be known to the Lord, not day nor night, but it shall come to pass, that at even time it shall be light. We bow our heads in this place, and I'll close with a prayer here this evening. Father, I love you and I appreciate you. God, I'm thankful, Lord. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.